0: Holy God, bring healing to all wounds, make whole all that is broken, speak truth to all illusion, and shed light in every darkness, that we may see your glory and know your Christ. often do we think of our faith as being a private practice, a personal relationship between me and God? Certainly, that's true to some extent. Personal practices are essential to our spiritual formation, are growing up to look like Jesus. But that's not all there is. In fact, if we stop there, I think we're at risk of being what Jesus just described, the salt that loses its saltiness or the lamp that's been put under a basket. This type of Christianity is worthless. In Isaiah 58, one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture that Dan read for us. We are being called to a Christian life that is rooted in repentance and motivated to social action. It's a hard-hitting passage. It's convicting. It's one that we would either ignore or assume that's not about us. That's not about me. But friends, this morning, I am believing that the Holy Spirit is calling me and calling all of you to repentance. Let's repent of our empty religious practices and our selfishness and our prideful way of thinking. Let's repent of the unkind words we utter, the bitterness we hold in our hearts. Let's repent of the sins we keep in secret and the sins we're committing every time we ignore corruption in our workplace or in our governments. Let's bring to light what is festering in the darkness so that we might be healed and made whole so that we might be called repairer of the breach, restorer of streets to live in. You know, now that I think about it, that's what I want in my tombstone. That's the goal. Repairer of the breach, restorer of streets to live in. A life well lived. Let's listen to the prophet Isaiah's words said a bit differently in uh, Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy with worship at studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-loving people, law-abiding, God-honored. They ask me, what's the right thing to do? And they love having me on their side. But they also complain. Why do we fast, God, and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you won't notice? Busy, busy, busy at worship. Love studying about God. To all appearances, I think my mic just died. We look like right-living, law-abiding, God-honoring people. But what's wrong with our hearts? What motivates us? What do we keep hidden? What do you murmur under your breath? This past week, Kevin and I were at a, a Gathering called the Pastor Spouse Retreat, a gathering of our pastoral colleagues at a at a few days of conference and worship together, and it was so refreshing on a number of levels. But one of the highlights was a message by our new bishop, Linda Adams. One of the stories, they're all dying. One of the stories she told was of the way the Asbury revival of 1970 impacted her life. So during a February 1970 chapel service, students experienced the power and conviction of the Holy Spirit in a way that had never been seen before. They continued in worship and prayer and repentance for 144 unbroken hours. Classes were canceled for the week for the sake of the spiritual revival that was happening in the chapel. Seriously, if you have a few minutes, I recommend, I recommend looking up the Asbury Revival on, just Google it, and you'll find a documentary on YouTube as well as some articles. It's incredible. And I've read and learned a lot about revivals in my studies, and the thing that has always confused me is how people think they can schedule a revival. Like revival services every night this week for, at 7 o'clock, like you're not in charge of the Holy Spirit. But you are in charge of your heart. You are in charge of your repentance. And revival happens when God's people repent. That's what Bishop Linda Adams said was the key to this revival. Conviction of sin. And then confession of that sin. Right then and there, they would get up and go confess to their friend how they had wronged. They would get up and call the person they had wronged. Conviction moves to confession. There was no shame that that week in the Asbury Chapel. There was no hiding. There was just freedom and forgiveness. That is what our Christian faith must look like. Repentance and action. Remember, according to the prophet Isaiah, our worship isn't about the type of music we sing or the fancy words we pray, or how much money we give, or how rigorously we fast. None of that matters if our hearts are harboring sin, bitterness, anger, discontent, judgmental, racism, whatever we're harboring. None of our actions matter if we do not repent. True worship is about breaking the chains of injustice getting rid of exploitation in the workplace, letting the oppressed go free, canceling debts that are owed to you. It's about sharing your food with someone who is hungry, bringing the homeless poor into your house, seeing these people as your family, brothers and sisters made in the image of God. That's what Isaiah 58, 6 and 7 says. And Isaiah doesn't stop there. He says, if you get rid of these unfair practices and quit blaming the victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you are generous, if you feed the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will show you always where to go, I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. And then he goes on, if you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, a day of God's holy celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Did you catch that? best part that our repentance and action isn't just about us being right with God about us getting into heaven it's about Jesus's healing and wholeness to the people around us our lives have an effect on the people in our world it's about being building something beautiful for our children and our grandchildren it's about the foundation for generations The life you live now is not in a vacuum. Your life affects the world and its future. So today, I invite you to repentance. Don't be afraid. Our our churches, too long, for far too long, in most every church, are a place where people don't feel like they can say the thing that's true about them, that someone will judge them, that they won't be welcome, Well, I tell you that you are welcome. You are welcome because I am welcome, because I can confess the things that I have done to a number of you, and it's a safe thing. Speak to light what is hidden in darkness, what's festering mold inside of you, so that you could be clean, and that you may be called repairer of the breach, restorer of streets, to live in. God, I don't know everyone's story here, but you do, and you're not looking at us with shame and disappointment. You're looking at us with longing and love. You delight in us. You welcome us back when we repent. You're overjoyed, running unashamedly down the street when you see the prodigal running back to you, dragging our feet. And so, God, I pray freedom. I pray for courage to speak to light what we keep hidden in darkness. I pray for confession, and I pray for your Holy Spirit to revive us.